0: Hi guys, Talisha from P3 and Foot Pain Explained here. Today we're going to be discussing the importance of therapeutic movement for our older clients. So periods of rest or immobilization due to illness or injury have the potential to seriously amplify the deleterious effects of aging on musculoskeletal tissue structure and the overall functional capacity of our older clients. Now, we do have a short course launching on this topic very soon, therapeutic movement and functional assessments for the older individual or older client. So if you'd like to register your interest in this course, when we are able to release a little bit more information on this, head to progressivepodiatryproject.com forward slash p3me, and you'll be able to scroll down, find the registration form, submit your details, and we'll keep you in the loop of what's gonna happen once this course launches, it's gonna be great. Now we'll get into today's episode. The Progressive Podiatry Project here to share knowledge, insights, and information for you to improve your clinical practice and most importantly, help you help your clients. Now, podiatrists are in this really unique position when we're treating our older general clients, when we're seeing them more regular than what some other health practitioners would be. Are we seeing them every six weeks, eight, 10, 12 weeks? Either way, this is a lot more frequent than many other health professionals. And The reason that we're in this very unique and I feel lucky position is due to this frequency in contact, we may be able to affect significant change on our older clients, helping them age and live well. Now, when we think of exercise rehabilitation, quite often our minds will gravitate towards a younger active individual who may have been injured and they're looking to enter into physical rehabilitation to restore their functional capacity to, say, get back to their sport of choice, AFL, football, whatever it is. Not often do we first think of an older individual who may have undergone surgery or had an injury and needing to get back to just their general activities of daily living. This isn't usually the first avatar that comes to mind. However, Arguably, it's this client avatar, the older, relatively sedentary individual that focusing on functional restoration as a result of physical rehabilitation is often what's more important because the periods of rest and or immobilization can have significantly more profound effects in a negative way on this older client as opposed to our younger active client. And so this has the potential to really alter the trajectory of someone's life and impact their quality of life. So, the first thing to think of when i'm talking about this and why our minds may gravitate towards that more active individual is the capacity gap so if we have someone who's completely incapacitated down one end of the spectrum as a result of illness or injury and then right at the other end of the spectrum we have a very high functioning high level athlete engaging in relatively high intensity sporting activities If that person as a result of illness or injury isn't able to engage in that activity and they're in a moon boot and they're partially immobilized it's pretty obvious that there's a large gap in their physical capacity so it does stand to reason yes we will likely need to engage in some form of physical rehabilitation to restore their function to overcome that capacity gap that exists However, when we're dealing with an older client who say their general day-to-day activities are relatively low intensity, so they mostly may be just engaging in their activities of daily living or they may be going just for a gentle walk once or twice a week. If that person, say, has a bunion reconstruction surgery or they have a plantar plate repair, they may have a In the grand scheme of the orthopedic world a relatively minor surgery that they may be in a post-op shoe for two to three weeks and they're relatively not in high levels of pain they're able to sort of still potter around the house just maybe not as sprightly as they were before the surgery because the capacity gap in this situation isn't as big we may not be realizing just how important it is for us to restore that functional capacity, even though it's only a small gap. And why this is so important for these older, maybe less active clients, and we will just going to go into a little bit of a physiology dump at the minute, it's because of senescence. So senescence is the natural deterioration of a cell or organism through the passage of time. So essentially it's the bonus of having birthdays. The more birthdays we have, the more senescence is going to occur, because we're here for longer, therefore, our body and our cells will have a longer time to deteriorate. Now, healthy adult aging of the human neuromuscular system is comprised of changes that include, but are not limited to, atrophy, weakness, and slowed movements. And a lot of this comes down to our musculoskeletal system. Now, aging alone doesn't account for the decreases in size and strength. Nutritional intake and physical activity levels also play into this atrophy, the weakness and the slower movements that we exhibit as we age. And part of this is changes that naturally happen as well, lifestyle changes that may occur as we age. So if we were engaging in a relatively active job or active social or sporting activities, and these just taper off as we get older. So it's not just senescence that's happening. Nutritional intake and physical activity levels, they also play into this as well. And that's also why nutritional intake and physical activity promotion, especially to our older clients, is so important. So as we age, we see a relatively slow, well, It can be faster in some individuals, but there's a relatively slow decline in the quality of our skeletal muscle. Now, when we're referring to quality, this refers to the composition, the cellular structure, and the organization of the skeletal muscle fibers. And this is also compounded by and added to the ability of the skeletal muscle to contribute to hormone regulation and the function of our immunometabolism because skeletal muscle does serve to a lot more functions than just movement so and then if we're looking at it from a cellular and organizational tissue composition standpoint aging skeletal muscle and tendons experience uh, reductions in elasticity so they become a little bit stiffer less complied but their threshold for disruption is a little bit lower as well so we've got reduction in elasticity and This I've discussed in other episodes, and this is partly impacted by alterations in collagen cross linkages that come usually driven from advanced glycation end product processes. Anyway, um, so like I said, this reduced elasticity contributed to by alterations in collagen cross linkages. And again, that affects tissue stiffness, tissue compliance, there's other episodes that cover this. Um, But then what we also see, and this is where it um, impacts that hormone regulation and the immunometabolism I was just referring to, is we do see an increase in deposition of lipids and collagens within the skeletal muscle structure. So it does affect, again, the quality of this. And overall, it just decreases the quality but we can attenuate this process. But before we get into how we can attenuate and influence this process, there's two common terms that I'll just refresh your memory on when it comes to aging skeletal muscles. So the first is sarcopenia. So sarcopenia refers to the reduction of muscle mass as we age. And after 70 years of age, we lose up to 1% of our skeletal muscle mass each year. And then when we're talking about dinopenia, this is referring to a loss in muscle strength. And this is related to aging and not caused by any neurological or muscular diseases. And so it's reported that we lose up to 10 to 15% of muscle strength per decade, up to 70 years of age. And then after 70 years of age, this is accelerated to 25 to 40% of loss per decade, which is massive. And again, why it's so important that we, A, promote physical activity throughout the course of everyone's life, but then also why it's so important for our older clients and therefore it's so important for us to promote this to our older clients, the importance of moving so they can live and age well and we can hopefully have a positive impact on their health-related quality of life. Okay, so going through a little bit of a list of what actually happens to our skeletal muscle as we age as a result of senescence. We see a decrease in strength, which is dinapenia that I was just referring to. We see decreases in muscle cross-sectional area and volume, sarcopenia. We have Slower muscle protein synthesis and muscle protein breakdown, it is a lot higher just naturally in younger individuals, but then nutritional intake and physical activity levels will also feed into this. Then we also have type 2 muscle fibers, which are our fast twitch fibers. They're actually more susceptible to the loss in strength and function as we age. Also as we age and this is where it's important for maintaining cardiovascular fitness and endurance is we do see a decrease in the number of mitochondria and volume within our skeletal muscle and older individuals they will experience a decrease or impairments in muscle activation now from a neuro sorry I just stripped over that word now from a neurological standpoint what this decrease in muscle activation is there's a couple of things that will feed into this. So there is reduced spinal motor neuron output, um, which is expressed by lower motor unit discharge rates. And we also see deterioration of the sarcoplasmic reticulum. So this results in the speed of contraction of our skeletal muscle and subsequently the force generating capacity being reduced and then as I mentioned a little bit earlier is we also see as a result of senescence a decrease in the overall quality of our skeletal muscle and this is partly due to the increase in lipid and collagen depositions within the tissue so then that is just naturally occurring because of senescence that is the bonus of having birthdays But then when we're not engaging in physical activity or movement, the impacts of disuse or um, immobilization can amplify the effects that I was just referring to. So if we've got someone who's not overly active, we can further see increases in stiffness, further decreases in neural activation, which subsequently leads to further decreases in power force production. And then from a metabolism point of view, we see further decreases in muscle protein synthesis, subsequently decreases in muscle cross-sectional area. Um, And then we can also see an increase in anabolic resistance, again, from lipid deposition and a few other hormonal factors that play into this. Now, what's promising hopefully this isn't a whole doomsday <laughs> scenario in your head that you're thinking now that we're talking about this is even though all of these cha- changes are natural they're naturally occurring basically what's why i feel it's promising is a lot of the impacts of disuse or immobilization are completely within an individual's control to change so it's quite empowering when you go okay there's all of these things that can happen but you yourself can physically starve off that process and improve your health related quality of life so all of the amplification factors that i was just discussing they will all feed into the quality of someone's life which is their health span but again it's completely within their power to change this and therefore it's completely within our power to educate motivate and try and point our older clients in the right direction so we can help them live a better quality of life so there's two spans that I want to refer to just education One, so we've got our lifespan so lifespan refers to the total number of years that we've been alive health span refers to how many of those years That we're able to remain relatively healthy and free from disease and this is what mechanical unloading can significantly impact so when we're talking about mechanical unloading bed rest immobilization lower limb unloading which is say being in a post-op shoe or a moon boot and even simply a decreased daily step count all can contribute to technically being mechanically unloaded individuals which can amplify the deleterious effects of aging on skeletal muscle structure and function so that decreased daily step count even that can have an impact which is why it's so important for us to i feel promote healthy moving engaging in physical activity as often as humanly possible for everyone but again our older clients and What's really easy to forget is just how quickly some periods of mechanical unloading can impact our muscle cross-sectional area function and force generating capacity. So there's a couple of studies that I'm just going to shoot off now. So. There's one study where five days of immobilization, we saw a 4% decrease in muscle extensor cross-sectional area and a 9% decrease in muscle strength. That was after five days. And then looking at the other end of the spectrum for a longer period of time. Um, there was a 84-day bed rest study where those people that were bedridden for 84 days demonstrated a 17% reduction in vastus lateralis muscle volume and a 40% decrease in muscle function. So that was a Gau paper which was published in 2018. So that's huge especially when we're coming on the tail end of a pandemic where many people I experienced this as well I wasn't in bed for 84 days four days was long enough and even that like I definitely felt a little bit squishier as a result of not doing any movement now what's also it pays for us to keep in the back of our minds and this is again where it can be very easy for clinicians to maybe not place as much emphasis or importance on the importance of physical activity and functional restoration for our older clients is the impact of mechanical unloading. It does vary between older and younger individuals. When we're talking about older individuals, in a lot of studies, the cutoff point between a younger and an older individual, the older individuals are typically classed more often than not is 45 years or above. Some studies it does change a little bit, but what pays for us to mention, I'm sorry if that (laughs) upset any of you, but there's a lot of us that are probably down the older end of the spectrum than what we think. Yes, we might be young at heart and young in mind, but physiologically we may be up the other end of the spectrum. And when I, I was presenting at a conference not long ago, And I got everyone in the audience to do the 30 second chair rise or sit to stand test. And it was amazing. There were only a handful of people that were above 60 years of age, but there was a concerning number of people in the audience that scored below average for the 30 30 second chair stand test so people that were under 60 years of age that were scoring less or under below average than a 60 year old female so yes the effects of relatively sedentary lifestyles can be seen when we're a lot younger than that older client group that we're talking about today anyway i'm getting distracted back on point So the impact of mechanical loading relative to age, there's two kind of areas that it affects older versus younger people a little bit differently. So there's one, if we're talking about muscle volume and muscle cross-sectional area, and then if we're talking about um, muscle contraction and force generating capacity. So one is more muscle protein synthesis driven and the other is more neurologically driven. So the contractile elements of our skeletal muscles. So we're talking about our um, motor unit discharge rates and our sarcoplasmic reticulum, like I was referring to a little bit earlier. So when we're younger, we have a higher rate of muscle protein synthesis and metabolism. So increased rates of muscle protein breakdown, muscle protein synthesis. So that's where you'll often see if you've got a younger individual who's been immobilized either in a cast or a moon boot. Let's just say they've been in a moon boot because they've done a partial tear of the Achilles. Now, a younger person might have the moon boot on for 12 weeks, 10 weeks, however long it is. Take the boot off and there's a really stark difference in the circumference of the gastroc. But then you may have someone who's, say, in their 60s, who've done a similar injury, and there's not as much of a difference between the size of the calf muscle, between the affected and the contralateral limb. Now, because they have this slower muscle protein synthesis, they will have less atrophy experience because of that immobilization. So that's what we can see. So if we're using anthropometric measures, so say calf muscle circumference, and comparing a younger person versus an older person, And that's what we're using to gauge the impact of immobilization. That's where we can miss things because it'll be really profound for the younger person, won't be as profound for the older person. But then internally, when we're talking about the quality of the contraction, the effects might actually be more profound for the older person because of senescence and then the amplification as a result of immobilization. So again, muscle protein synthesis that attenuates with age, that's why we'll see it more in the younger person than the older person. But then if we're talking about, the, like I said, the force-generating capacity, that will often be more amplified in an older individual because they already have that underlying deterioration of the contractile elements of the skeletal muscle. So performing functional tests after a period of rest or mobilization is so important, and often it's these older client groups that – it's not being done in, it's neglected. doesn't matter if it's a podiatrist, a physiotherapist, general practitioner, sports physician, whoever, so, so, so often we see older clients after a period of rest, immobilization, illness, injury, whatever it is, not undergoing any functional tests, again, because if there's not that big capacity gap, so now oh, you've been sitting on the couch, you've had a moon boot on, moon boot comes off, oh, well, you're just going to be sitting on the couch and walking between here and the kitchen. Therefore, functionally, there's not this big gap. That's where they get missed because like they still may be able to do it, but their risk of falling, their reflex time, so many other functional factors may have been really impacted in those few weeks that they've been immobilized, but we're not functionally testing for it. So they get missed. Months later they may have a fall as as a result of this decreased capacity that no one neglected to pay attention to and then off we go. We're in a snowball downhill into health-related quality of life decline. And I know that probably sounds a little bit dramatic but it's not really and it's not unrealistic for us to be able to affect change with this client group. So When we talk about muscle weakness and gait and balance deficits, they're considered one of the biggest intrinsic risk factors and has the highest relatively risk of falls in our older individuals or older clients. And so as a result, ankle plantar flexion strength is considered a very important factor. And a predictor of functional decline in the older population and this is um, from what 2016 that was reported in so relatively recent and it's quite obvious it's very easy to test so why aren't we now that's getting a little bit doomsday anyway so it's not all bad news because a lot of those observable changes that we see in skeletal muscle quality and function they're all things that, in response to exercise and movement, we have the potential to improve and improve someone's functional capacity, even in our relatively older clients. So, there's the list I referred to earlier as far as the natural changes that occur, senescence, and then the amplification of those changes as a result of disuse or immobilization. But then I'm just going to rattle off rattle off a list of positive changes in skeletal muscle that can happen as a response to exercise and movement so we can see an increase in strength increase in muscle cross section cross-sectional area and volume we can improve muscle protein synthesis we can preserve and or improve type 2 muscle fibers we can increase the number of mitochondria and volume within our skeletal muscle we can improve skeletal muscle activation and We can also improve the quality, which means seeing a decrease in lipid and altered collagen deposition within the tissue. We can alter the stiffness and compliance to potentially reduce the risk of injuries or use it to treat underlying factors that are causing injuries like Achilles tendinopathy or plantar fasciopathy. We can improve the neural activation and power and force production. Again, like I said, we can improve muscle protein synthesis, which can lead to an increase in muscle cross-sectional area, and it can lead to a decrease in anabolic resistance. So exercise and movement-based therapies can modify almost all factors that contribute to the decrease in functional capacity we see that's associated with aging, and again is amplified by periods of disuse or physical inactivity. Now, why I feel that this is so important is I feel that our healthcare system is still arguably very reactive as opposed to being proactive. So that is, we often take action after an adverse event has occurred. But if we take on a more proactive role, we can not only improve the health span of our clients, but also have the potential to limit the extent and duration that an injury, illness or surgery has on an individual on an individual's ability to function in their everyday life. Okay, so it's all well and good for me to say, let's be more proactive as opposed to being reactive. So what can we do in the clinic to help our older clients live and age well by utilizing functional assessments? So there's a number of ways that I utilize this in my clinic. It works quite well, it's a good revenue generator. And it's not all about revenue, but it's a service. So we're always looking to add clinical services and enhance the client experience and be better clinicians. So a few things that I do in the clinic. So we can have health checks and monitoring. So we're, many general podiatrists, especially, are already performing diabetic neurovascular assessments. It takes just as much time and is equally easy to implement doing annual functional assessment measures. So there's Barrage of tests that we can put someone through the calf ray seniors, the 30 second chair stand test, the Y balance test, a whole heap of tests, very easy and safe to implement. They do have their standardized measure, measures and scores. Less than 10 minutes, we can perform a functional assessment and have a report and overall picture painted on this individual's functional capacity. So, annual health check or health monitoring. Then we have pre and post-operative assessments, which is similar to post-injury assessments or post-immobilization assessments. So again, if we're talking about how much even just decreased daily step count or periods of bed rest may impact our older clients, even after only three or four days, if we have someone that falls into this category, there's no reason why we can't and we shouldn't be performing A functional assessment on this individual just to see where they're sitting as a result of this period of bed rest or immobilization and then we can plan to implement a very basic physical and functional restoration program for this individual now I know this is, and the reason I'm saying I know this is, and it's based off the feedback I got from the podiatrist that I was presenting to a few weeks ago, that no one performs the functional test and everyone, and there was over 100 people that were quite interested in learning a lot more of this in depth. So again, that's the project was already well underway, but it really motivated me and got me excited that there's so many, especially general podiatrists out there that have this, know well they have this they're aware that they have this knowledge gap but they have this motivation to try and help their older clients live and age well. So in summary I do feel that it's very important for us and again podiatrists we're in a very unique position with the frequency that we see our general podiatry clients to potentially affect a large amount of change for our older clients. And no, I don't feel like this is outside of our scope. Performing a battery of very basic, say, functional tests and prescribing very basic, fun exercise and therapeutic movement programs for our patients well within our scope. And it can have immensely positive effects on the individuals that we're working with. And then even if you're not so confident in the, prescription of exercise or engaging your clients in more active lifestyles you can lean on your referral network exercise physiologists GPs they might be able to help facilitate a referral there's physiotherapists that are around that do a lot of group exercise classes there's so many avenues but performing the actual functional test to identify and help Educate your clients and engage the rest of their health network and have again very profound positive impacts So again, that will wrap up today But if you would like to learn more like I said, we do have this short course that we'll be launching early next year So if you would like to register your interest for this and I can keep you in the loop with what's going on progressive podiatryproject.com forward slash p3me Again, scroll down, find the registration form, lob your details in there and I'll keep you in the loop. That's it for today. It's been great. I'll see you next time. Cheers.